is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today, I welcome Lindsay Stanbury to the show. Lindsay, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. We're gonna dive into a great conversation about your expertise and giving women the opportunity to reveal and speak honestly about the most intimate details of their financial lives. So Lindsay, let's get started because you wrote a fabulous book that we're gonna talk about, but I'm, I'm eager to know, you worked in publishing for a while and then you got really interested and started writing about personal finance. So how did that happen? Yeah, I've had kind of a funny career. I um, started out in New York City in the early 2000s working for a, a book packager, which meant we created really beautiful illustrated coffee table books for big publishers and sold them. So I made a book with Madeleine Albright and Al Gore and uh, the women at Lucky Magazine. And I did that for about seven years and it was really great. And then I went and worked at Martha Stewart on her coffee table books and her cookbooks. Um, and while I was there, I got laid off. Um, and when that happened, I really saw it as an opportunity to rethink what I wanted to do with my life. Cool. And, I love it. Uh, yeah, it was an exciting and terrifying opportunity. It was, it was not my favorite time of my life, but it was also very much that I knew that I didn't want to stay in book publishing. So I took a risk and took a job at a very small startup. I took a very big pay cut that I wrote about in the book. I took about a $20,000 pay cut to take this job, but I thought it would be an opportunity to learn about digital media. And I was very lucky that the owner of the company took a risk on me because I really didn't have um, any experience in that area at all. Um, but it was a really great opportunity. And I worked there for a year and it was a wonderful job. It was one of my favorite jobs ever. And a year in, we found out we had run out of funding. So wow. we were back on the job hunt again. And I was lucky because the owner of this company had a really great Rolodex of contacts and he was very generous and, and ended up introducing me to an editor at Refinery. And so I ended up at Refinery as a copy editor um, and I'm a terrible copy editor. Uh, I uh, had a lot of typos in my in the stories that I edited, but I really enjoyed working with young writers, and it also made me realize that I was a pretty good writer myself. And so I decided to write a story about how my husband and I saved $100,000 to buy our first apartment in New York City, and that really started me down this path of writing about personal finance because it the story really resonated with our readers and it made me understand that there wasn't anybody really talking to women about their finances in a very personal and relatable way. And that was really exciting to me. And somehow I convinced them that uh, my my talents would be better used as a editor of work and money than as a copy editor. And I think they were kind of glad to not have me being the uh, the final reader of our important stories. There are people who are much better at, you know, putting the comma in the right place than I am. Well, cheers to you for 
truly reinventing and designing a career that suits you so extraordinarily well. But I want to say too, as a career coach, thanks for your vulnerability and sharing that story because you have a, a great reinvention, but you show tremendous resilience. So thank you for that. That really means a lot to me. But I want to talk about this niche of women and money because historically, and I'm broad brushing, but I will tell you that historically, from my lens, women have a terrible relationship with money, right? We're a little freaked out talking about it. We don't negotiate it as much as we should. We're getting better, but there's tremendous opportunity for growth. And your work is groundbreaking to help us improve upon that. So any thoughts on that, about how this is changing the culture of women and money? Yeah, that was that was really my goal with what we were doing at with at Refinery with our work and money section, but then also with the new book that I wrote, Money Diaries, that these conversations are hard with for everyone. It's been really interesting talking about this book and we're on book tour right now. And um, I've had a lot of men come up to me and say, you know, this is, this is hard for us too. I think it's yeah. hard for everyone. I think that in the past, men have really dominated the conversations around money. And so it's almost like they don't get an opportunity to admit that they don't know what's going on either because they've been socialized to act like they are the breadwinners and that they understand the stock markets. And you see all the language is very aggressive and tends to be very, you know, sports metaphors and, and things like that. And women, you know, while they often are in charge of their household budgets, they don't often they're not often the people in the family responsible for like long-term planning. So it's, it's really interesting to kind of see these like stereotypical, um, these stereotypes play out in real life. I'm really grateful that you corrected that and, and helped me understand with clarity how men are thinking about money too. And, and, and again, it just reinforces, as you said, those cultural stereotypes. So thank you for that. That was really helpful. You know, what I love about the book is, is the tremendous action plan and resource uh, resources, plural, that you provide. And my uh, takeaway is that you want people to have more control over their money and create a plan. What might uh, a baby step be to, to to start thinking about how you can gain that control. Yeah, it was really important to me that this book be very actionable and but not difficult or hard to understand. So we give really sometimes like super basic advice that kind of invites you in and gets you comfortable with managing your money. One of the things that we recommend is something called the highlighter test. It was an idea that came to me from a wonderful financial advisor named Manisha Takor. And she recommends that you take up about a month's worth of spending. That includes like your rent, your, um, your car payments, um, your electricity bill, your phone bill, all those kinds of recurring expenses that we're used to, but then also like, you know, how much you spent on dinner last week or a grocery bill or, you know, all the little different expenses that add up and you go through your credit cards and those expenses and you highlight the ones that don't bring you joy. So the idea being that like, maybe you hate paying your phone bill because it's too much. So is there a tweak you can make? Is there, can you call up your phone company? Can you find a better deal somewhere? But then there's going to be other things like maybe you had dinner with some friends who you don't really like, or they always pick a really expensive restaurant and you just kind of feel bad about yourself afterwards. Maybe that's something you can cut out of your life and it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It actually makes you feel better. 
You know, what I love so much about that is the question, does this bring me joy? And and what a great way to look at it because often, again, we're taught, do I need that or do I just want that? But this joy test, if you will, with the high letter test is a beautiful way to reframe that. So I thank you for that. Hey, Lindsay, we're gonna be right back after a quick break, so stay tuned. working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. Lindsay, I'd love to hear you write about this in the book so eloquently, talking about finances with your significant other or a spouse or parents and how you feel about those financial conversations with those you love. Walk us through that because you actually have a a plan with questions about how you can have conversations about money with your significant other. Yeah, I think that this is such an important thing, talking to your partner and or your parents about your finances. It it can be a really uncomfortable conversation for for both sets of, of people. You know, it can be uncomfortable to talk to your partner about long-term spending or even short-term spending. Um, So we give you some tools that you can use to not necessarily make these conversations easier, but to give you like a prompt that you can use to get them started. Um, I talk about how my husband and I, um, we see money very differently. He's very frugal. I tend to, you know, not worry as much about buying lunch at work. Um, But we really enjoy having these long-term money conversations, usually outside of the house. Sometimes we have a glass of wine. We've made really big decisions on long walks together. Um, So I think that, you know, figuring out what what works for you and your partner, but making sure that you're having these open and honest conversations. And then with parents, you know, millennials, as we watch our parents get older, having these really tough conversations about like, you know, do your parents have enough money for retirement? Um, Do they have a plan for when and if they're going to sell their house? Um, do they have a, a living will or a power of attorney? Um, I wanted to give readers the tools that they needed to understand a lot of this legal language so that they can make sure that their parents are making great decisions right now. So if the worst case happens, they're prepared. Excellent. Now, in the book, you spoke with all female financial advisors. And I'd, I'd love to hear why, because you, you're telling me that the book is also resonating with men, but it also, uh, I believe, it may be that they have very unique advice that's different from the men in the profession. So tell me about that. Yeah, it was really important for me to talk um, with female financial advisors, because I really think that they bring a very different perspective than men do to money management. And I think for the women readers, because, you know, while I do think both men and women have money fears and money problems, um, I did write the book with women in mind. And it, it's so much more accessible for a woman to talk to a woman about these problems. It just, I think it puts them at ease. You can bring up your dumb questions easier. You can express your fears a little easier. They're just, it 
it just it naturally makes for a more comfortable conversation. So the book is called Money Diaries, but let's talk about a money diary. Tell us how we can chronicle what's coming and going financially. Yeah, so Money Diaries um, is Refinery 29's financial column. We run them daily where women track their spending over seven days. They include things like their rent, um, their student loan debt, uh, how much they're investing in their 401k. But I actually think it's a really great exercise just to do in general. It's not so different than that highlighter test. It just gives you a sense of what's coming in and what's going out. I think that a lot of people don't really consider you know, how much their paycheck is and how much it will cover of their daily lives. And then I'm, you know, I fall into the habit of being at the grocery store and swiping my total and not looking at, you know, swiping my card and not looking at the total. I think it's easy to fall into mindless spending and, and a money diary, even if you're not publishing it on Refinery29, can be a really great mindful exercise. I'm also grateful for the tone in the book, Lindsay. You know, it's not patronizing or condescending. You're not saying, you know, don't buy the shoes or the latte, but you're teaching us really practical lessons and wisdom. Uh, did you get any any pushback from people out there who said, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm always feeling um, like I shouldn't be spending something or splurging? Any, any talk of, of that reward culture? Yeah, I think that we we all struggle with that, especially women. All the language around our spending tends to be like, it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. And we're made to feel bad about that. And I hated that. And I felt like when I started writing about work and money for Refinery29, a lot of the advice that I was seeing was like, don't buy a latte. And, you know, for some people, that daily latte is the thing that like gets them out of bed in the morning and into the office. So it, it's not necessarily going to be the thing that makes or breaks the bank. And I, and I say in the book, I, I won't ever tell you not to buy a latte, but I will say, think about how much that latte costs. If you're spending $5 a day, that adds up to roughly $1,800 over the course of a year, which is not an insignificant yeah. amount of money. Right. That's sizable. Absolutely. So, you talk a lot about student debt and you've got some some great resources there. You talk about the avalanche method of paying the minimum on all of your loans. Walk us through that. So these are two different kinds of debt repayment programs that financial advisors recommend. The snowball method is the idea that you, if you have several different kinds of debt, you have student loan debt, credit card debt, um, you want to pay your monthly minimums on time every month. That's really important. And then you start putting extra money towards the smallest balance. So that way you really see things pay off. You know, it feels really good when you finish paying off debt. The avalanche method is a little bit different. It, you're also still paying your monthly minimums on time every month. And then any extra money goes to the the debt with the highest interest rate. And the reason that you want to do that and financial advisors really recommend the avalanche method is that over the course of all your loans, you're going to be paying less money because you're paying off those high interest rates faster. Really smart, really smart advice. So I, I want to end, Lindsay, with something that's near and dear to me as a career coach. I am always helping people learn how to negotiate and to always come back with a counteroffer when they get uh, an initial salary with a, with a new position or perhaps even a promotion, because we know statistically that women don't negotiate as much as our male counterparts. So give us a little nugget of your negotiation wisdom. Yeah, this is something that was really important to me to include in the book because I'm terrible at it. Um, I think it 
is hands down one of the most uncomfortable conversations you probably ever have in your career. Um, and I shared some of my personal embarrassing stories in the book. But I think one thing to remember is that you need to think about it as to what you're bringing to the table. How are you earning the company money? It's not supposed to be a personal conversation about, you know, I need a raise because I have daycare expenses or my husband lost his job or I have student loan debt, whatever. The company doesn't care about your personal problems. And that can be really hard to understand. It's important to say, you know, I brought in all this business this year. I went above and beyond my job. These are all the examples. I recommend, you know, sitting down and writing down a list of all your accomplishments. That can be a really great way to go in and feel confident about the conversation. Couldn't have said it better. It's about your value add to the company, not your personal situation. That's just not even relevant. It's not, unfortunately. Excellent. So, Lindsay, one more thing, and then we'll uh, bring this to a close, and I'll tell everybody about your amazing book. What about goal setting? Are there any particular goals that you might be willing to share with the audience, and, and how did you get there? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, it's funny, because I talk so much about goal setting, and my husband is not the biggest fan of goal setting. He's like, we just need the money. Um <laughs> So, you know, one thing that I did recently that was really important to me was I have a two-year-old and we had had a one daycare arrangement and we needed to have a new one. And that was going to cost, it was going to cost quite a bit more money. So I was trying to figure out how it was going to work in my budget. And uh, a financial advisor I love, Georgia Hussey, recommended that I set aside that extra money from my account before I even became an expense. So starting in January of this year, I roughly knew how much the new daycare was going to cost. So I started setting that aside every month. So I got a real sense of the expense. Meanwhile, I was saving extra money so that when it came time to make a deposit, I had some extra savings. And it was just a really great sense. It was a really great way to get a sense that I could actually afford this new expense. Awesome. Thank you for that terrific example. Lindsay, you are a rock star. Thank you so much for joining me on Your Working Life. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you and share your wisdom about money with our global audience. So let me tell them all about your book. The title is Money Diaries, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Your Finances and everyone else's. And of course, it's available on Amazon and major book retailers. So I'm confident that our listeners will check it out. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And hey, all of you out there, if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because that helps people find us online. And we'd love to hear what career-minded issues you would like for us to bring up on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And I want to give a shout out to my extraordinary Your Working Life colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our executive producer. Thank you for your amazing work. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.